Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Insurance man to successful entrepreneur, truly living his dream. It started out as a hobby and radically changed his life. And back in 2005, Cliff Ravenscraft started playing with a thing called podcasting. Since then, he has created a full-time career and is well-known as the Podcast Answer Man. Cliff is here to talk about his entrepreneurial journey and podcasting. Cliff, hello and welcome to my show. Hey, I am so honored to be here, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to have you here. I really love your personal story and I love how you run your business. So I'm excited to share you with my audience. Um, So my question when I was thinking about doing this interview with you was when Back in 2004, right, you're an insurance salesman. Did you have a dream for yourself that looked like 2014? No. Matter of fact, um, when I first started podcasting even, I started it out as a hobby and never even could have dreamed in a million years at the time. I mean, it was the furthest thing you could ever imagine is the, the idea that I would actually podcast for a living. And and not only that, even if I could have dreamed of podcasting for a living, I'd never would have guessed it would have been this awesome. <laughs> so let's talk to people about that. Can you share kind of um, what, because most people go podcasting, right? A lot of people still don't know, even though it's really hit mass media in 2014. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of big publications that are picking it up and they're talking about this podcast movement. But what... When we talk about this business that you have, because people can kind of understand what insurance salesman does, but what does the podcast answer man do? Well, there's a couple things that I do. The first thing that I do that's most important to me is that I am a podcast content creator. So I have, since December 2005, I've launched 30 different podcast shows. I've produced over 3,260 podcast episodes. And uh, that's, what I, that's what I do first and foremost. I'm a podcast producer. And it was actually podcasting as a hobby, playing around with it after creating three shows and having those three shows for up to a year and you know, doing things that most people weren't doing. People started to ask me, Cliff, how do you do this? And I just, you know, it was something I did as a hobby. I loved it. I'm a tech geek and I love teaching people. So I was helping people left and right. And then all of a sudden, people begged me to let them pay me to do it. I'm not kidding you. They, they begged me, Cliff, please let me pay you to teach me. And I'm like, you don't have to pay me. I'll just be happy to tell you. And eventually, um, people did pay me, and I kind of liked it. And, and so I, I started offering some uh, webinars here and there. I'll never forget my first webinar that I did. I, had, I, I could only have 20 people in this one service that I was using. This is back in 2006. And I charged $150 per person, which I thought nobody's going to sign up for this. And I, I sold out every single thing. And what happened was um, all 20 people wrote back and said, Cliff, I would have paid 10 times this amount for what you shared in this two-hour webinar. And that just started to, one thing led to another. And that um, convinced me that there might be an opportunity at some point down the road, maybe five, ten years down the road, I might be able to maybe transition out of my career as an insurance agent and do podcasting full time. And that was just a pipe dream at the time. So in January 2006, I launched Podcast Answer Man. If you, you can go listen to the first episode. And I said, listen, world, I'm creating this because, you know, there's this pipe dream that I have maybe five, 10 years down the road, I might do podcasting full time. But I, I wanted to set up my consulting and coaching business and, and announce it to the world through this show called Podcast Answer Man. That's what I'm here for. Well, one year later, I left my career in insurance and I was doing podcasting full time. Why do you think it was going to take you five to 10 years? Well, because to be honest with you, I, did, I, I threw that out there because that was far enough away that if I didn't achieve it, people would not know. Uh, because mm. I really didn't think it was going to happen. I, I, I had grown up uh, being an employee all my life. I had you know, bought into this whole 
You know, you don't do the work that you love. You do work that that is responsible and that generates a significant amount of income so that you can work all day, five days a week so that you can support your family. And if you want to enjoy life, you do that on the nights, during the evenings or on the weekends and maybe on a vacation a couple, maybe once or twice a year. And so, so that, so really I didn't allow myself to dream that it, it, it wasn't like I was really pursuing it. It was just like this pipe dream that for whatever reason, my subconscious mind says, set this as a goal. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. And I put it out there and I said, but five to 10 years, like I said, was far enough to where if this, if this didn't pan out to be anything, it was, it was okay. It was far enough down the road that nobody would know. So was it, when you putting that goal way out there, was that safe enough to, for allow you to just go and do your thing and um, not get stuck in your disbelief that this can't really happen. Well, you know what? Now that we're having this conversation, Corinne, I, I do remember another reason why I put that out there is because I was actually in the in, in a place where my see the the insurance agency that I worked in was a family run insurance agents agency. My dad owned the agency, and it's been in the family since 1927. So. Uh, one of the things that I was looking at is my dad was going to be retiring within the next five to 10 years. And I also felt this obligation to work in the family business. Mm. And so that was, that was a big part of it. And I didn't even think about that until I was just now processing that. So that was, a, that was another big key factor. And I couldn't let, I, I had this feeling like I couldn't let my family down by leaving them in a lurch by, by you know them losing one of their key employees. Well, and that's a huge thing that, with anybody making this transition, right? If they work with family and there's family expectations. So what allowed you to, to move away from the family business? Sure. That's very easy. So here's the deal. I started podcasting as a hobby. Before that time, I, I really thought that I enjoyed being an insurance agent. I was very successful at it. At one point, by the way, I sold auto, home, life, health, and business insurance. At one point, I was so successful that there were two different insurance companies that sold li- that I sold life insurance for, and I was ranked in the top ten out of fourteen thousand agents with one of them, and I was actually listed in the top fifty of all agents in more than thirty thousand agents with the other company. So I was extremely successful, making good money doing what I was doing. Prior to podcasting, just a couple months into podcasting, though, my success in selling went way down. It tanked majorly. And the reason why is because, well, I found a new passion in life. And it was, you know, I, I, I actually do enjoy selling. I enjoy helping people, help, selling people products that help them. It's not just I enjoy selling so I can make lots of money. Although, don't get me wrong, I like making lots of money. Uh, but I enjoy selling people products and services that add value to their lives. So, so I really enjoyed that. But then what I found is that, man, with podcasting, I can get behind a microphone and I can share the things that I know, the things that I've learned, the things that I'm experiencing, my fears, my frustrations, all of these things. And I can entertain people, educate people, encourage people, and inspire people. And I can make a positive difference in people's lives. And I realized that as a result of the feedback that I was getting from podcasting. And that's when I found that that's really my true calling and that's my true passion in life is to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire other people. And when I found that passion in podcasting, I lost any and all passion for insurance. And it got to the place where basically about a year into it, about the same time I started Podcast Answer Man, by that time I was probably working... Before before podcasting, I was working at the insurance office you know, 50, 55 hours a week. All right. I was more than your 40 hour a week guy. I, I, I loved what I was doing. But as soon, but after a couple, actually by the time I started Podcast Answer Man, one year into it, I had got down to the place where I was only working the bare minimum, 40 hours a week. You would not get me a minute more if I could avoid it. Um, and not only that, but I was only doing the bare minimum. I, I, I didn't, I had people call me up, Corinne, and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'd like to set up an appointment with you because I just talked to my brother-in-law, and he just mentioned about all the things you talked to him about, about getting debt-free, signing up for this Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, and, and uh, he purchased uh, term life insurance for his entire family, and I want to do the same thing. He's convinced me, can I come and see you today or sometime this week? And I, I would schedule the appointment, 
And I remember Karen saying to my, as soon as I hang up the phone and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I hate that. And, and, and let me tell you, what I just said to you, this, would have, this was like a family of five deal, you know? That would have been an extra $400 to $600 in my pocket. And I, my attitude towards that was, Ugh, I've got to deal with somebody coming into the office. That's going to keep me here focused on that. And it's going to probably make me work an extra 30 or 45 minutes this evening because I have to get this done. And that's going to, ugh, man, I, I just want to get home so I can podcast. And that is, that's what caused me to be able to get to the place where I left because ultimately... Um, being a person of integrity, I realized that I got to the place where I was, in essence, becoming a I was becoming a criminal, if you will. I was stealing from the family business. I wasn't there wasn't a register at the front of the store that I was taking money out of, but it got to the place where I was being paid to be at that office and to be a part of that team and to do certain things. But the reality is, I spent most of my day daydreaming about what I was going to do that evening and on the weekends, and I was working minimum of 40 hours a week in insurance. And I was working about 20 to 25 hours a week on my podcasting on the side. Wow. So as you did that transition to leave, was your family okay with you leaving the family business? Well, here's what happened. Um, things were, you know, it, it got pretty bad. As, as I was said, uh, I didn't enjoy my job anymore. My, my success in my sales tanked majorly. And I was just going through the motions. My mom and dad knew it. They, they were confronting me all the time. It's like, it seems like you're not focused. I'm like, you know, li, you know I'm doing the bare minimum. I'm doing, I, by the way, my bare minimum was still more than what most any employee would ever do. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a driven guy. I think you've worked with me. You know, yes. you know that, that I'm a driven person. So my, my bare minimum was still, was still an effort. But uh, the reality is, is that my mom and dad knew. Um, things got really bad right around August and September of 2007. This is like 18, 19 months into podcasting at this point. And I had this one terribly frustrating day. And what I haven't told you so far is that I have this podcast. It's called Pursuing a Balanced Life. So far, I've published 587 episodes of this one show. And it's a daily, it's not a daily, it's, it, well, it has been at times, but it is an audio journal of my life ever since March of 2006. And so I share pretty much anything and everything that comes to my mind when I go out for a walk in this podcast. And so what happened was when I started talking about, man, I have this dream and I know it's not re, you know, realistic and I know it's not responsible, but man, if I could do anything and money were no object, I'd podcast all day long. I, I mean... If I could do anything in five to 10 years, I'd love to do this. Excuse me, I have to cough one second. <coughs> I'm getting over some bronchitis, which is not great for a podcaster, let me tell you. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, so I started sharing this stuff with my audience. And my audience is filled with people who are from all different walks of life, all different places in the world. And I had all these entrepreneurs saying, Cliff, gosh, you have this gift and this talent and this ability. There are a ton of different things you could do to make a living full-time with these gifts that you don't have to work in the family business. You don't have to do this. And I had people willing to get on the phone with me and coach me and, and convince me that, that of some opportunities that are, you know, that would be great for me, uh, that I could launch my own business. And I'm, you know, and here's the thing. Every single time I had one of those conversations, I would come home and tell my wife everything they said. But me, it was having no impact because I, I'm like, I have all these limiting beliefs. This is before I even knew what limiting beliefs were. I didn't even know what they were. Mm -hmm. I just had them. Um, and, and so here's the thing. I, I, I'm like, you know, yeah, that all sounds great. You know, you, you think you can see what, but it's, you're not the one who is the husband uh, with three kids at home who are, you know, at the time under the age of 10. You, you're not the one who has the single family income. You're not the one who just got out of debt and doesn't have a lot of money put away. You're not the, you're not the one responsible for making this decision. So it's easy for you to say that I can do this. But I, I just, I, here's all the reasons why I don't think that it's possible for me to do this. Anyway, but my wife did not have these limiting beliefs. So one day, my pastor and I, my pastor from our church, uh, he and I were working out together and I, I shared with him and I finally told him, you know, that I was thinking and, and I said, this is a crazy thing. I know it's probably not responsible, but 
man, if I could do anything, I, I'd leave this place. And because we, we, my, my insur- family's insurance agency downstairs, we had a workout room. So that's where we were working. And I said, I'd leave this place in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity. And he says, why don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, why don't he goes, Cliff, let me tell you something. You and I are close friends. I've been over to your house. I've been in your studio. We've done some projects together. Um, and let me tell you something. When you come behind the microphone, you come alive. You, that is your sweet spot, man. That, that is where you're supposed to be. And I went home and I told my wife that. And that was probably about two weeks before September of uh, 2007. And then it was one day in September. I don't remember the exact day. But I had this really terrible day at work. And Corinne, this is what happened. Uh, my wife said to me, she says, Cliff, you have to quit your job. And I'm like, what? And she goes, you have to quit your job. She goes, here's the deal. You and I both know that you're miserable at work. You're miserable and, and it's, and it's in, you know, impacting all the areas of your life. Um, and you and I both know that there are opportunities. You've seen some success in different various ways to monetize what we're, you're doing in podcasting. We're doing this together. We know that this is what God's called us to do. Here's what I want to tell you. Um, tomorrow, you're going to go in and you're going to quit your job. And if we have to sell our house and rent, then that's what we'll do. If I have to go out and get a job, that's what we'll do. But tomorrow, you have to quit your job. She says, I need my husband back and the kids need their dad back. That's, those were her words. So about 15 minutes after that conversation, we, we recorded a podcast episode together and announced to the world that the next day I was going to go in and quit my job. <laughs> well, that's the way to put yourself on the line. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I went in the next day and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my dad's going to freak out. And of course, I'm in a way, I'm hoping and I'm, you know, some kind of, you know, probably desperately wishing that he's going to talk me out of this, right? Because this is stupid. I mean, this is irresponsible. I mean, at this time, there were only one other person in the world that I knew that actually had a full-time career in podcasting. And that circumstance was a little bit suspect. The income that was coming from it was all funded from venture capital money that has today completely dried up. Now, thankfully, she found a different economic model that worked for her. But even back then, the one person in the world that was making an income full-time doing podcasting, which, by the way, was Callie Lewis uh, from Geek Beat, or geekbrief.tv back then, uh, she, her, all of her money was coming in from, from venture capital money. So I'm like, that, that, this doesn't seem responsible. I don't know how a family of five is supported on a podcasting income. And, and um, the reality is, is that I didn't know what to do. And so I was hoping my dad would you know, flip out and tell me this is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. So I go in the next morning and this is what happens. I, said, I told my dad, I said, listen, uh, in 90 days... I'm leaving to pursue my own business to work for myself full time in podcasting. And uh, my dad looked at me straight in the eye and he goes, I've been waiting for months for you to come and tell me this. Wow. And the other thing that he, he told me a couple other things. He says, number one, he goes, let me just say this. First and foremost, you can always come back here. This, this will always be here for you. You don't have to worry about that. The second thing I'll t- the next thing I'll tell you, and this this is, blew me away. He goes, "You won't come back." And the reason why is because I know that the passion that you have for what you're doing, and the way that the feedback that you continually tell me that you're getting from people, he said to me, he says, "Cliff, you're going to be more successful podcasting financially than you could ever dream of being as an insurance agent." And by the way, if I wasn't, if I hadn't left as an insur- if I hadn't left. And I took over the insurance agency when my dad retired. I would have been making about a half a million dollars a year in personal income. And he and I both knew this. And those words meant, Cliff, one day you'll make more than a half a million dollars in personal income from your podcasting efforts. Wow. That's a lot of support that you had from people for this weird thing called podcasting, especially back then. It, it, it is extremely weird. And I, you know what? I, it, I think it's a total God thing as a because I here's the thing, everybody, everybody else had full confidence in my ability to make this happen. 
except for me. Now, I, that's not to say that I had no confidence because if I had no confidence, I wouldn't have even gone and told my dad. So, so I, I do want to say that I had some confidence, but it was shaky at best. You know, I, I had, you know, those 90 days leading up to January 2008, um, I had never experienced panic attacks before and I never went in and got diagnosed, but I'm absolutely certain that I had about four or five panic attacks in December of 2007. There were times when I'd be sitting on the couch watching television and I'd just be in this great mood. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I'm just like completely like debilitated by fear and anxiety. It just like swept over me like, like I, I don't even know what. I mean, it's just like, wow. And, and, and the question's like, I, this is just going through my head. You know, I'm, I'm, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. But the question is like, who do you think you are? How do you, how do you think you're going to f- support this family? Yeah, you, you know nothing about business. This is, this is ridiculous. And, and that's the kind of thoughts. And there is one night, Corinne, it got so bad that my anxiety was so heavy and my heart was racing so much that I was afraid to go to sleep that night because I was afraid that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. Wow. So I, I didn't. And, and it was like that. And of course, then January 1st came and I, you know, I felt this freedom for the first time. And that was both exhilarating and exciting and just the most amazing thing in the world. And at the same thing, it was the scariest thing in the world because I wasn't the greatest at self-discipline. You know, it's like, man, am I going to sit here and waste my time? And so um, I, I forced myself to, to work and to work hard and to work a lot. And for the first nine months of doing this full time, I worked, um, I worked, let's see, seven days a week. For, this, for the first nine months, I worked seven days a week every day for 14 hours a day. Wow. Never took a day off. And the, the first year, by the way, when I, when I left my career in insurance, I was making a, a pretty significant income. When my first year of podcasting full-time, January 2008, the only income that I had coming in actively for that year was my career in, insur- or career in podcasting. That year, my personal income that the that my business paid me eleven thousand dollars. That's it. Wow. So January of two thousand eight, we lived on my December two thousand ten income. In February of two thousand eight, we lived off of my Christmas bonus, my final Christmas bonus. March, April, and May of two thousand eight, we lived off of our tax refund from the year before. Uh, and then I did the most ridiculous thing. Everybody, everybody says, Cliff, you should either go out and get investors, which I didn't want to do because um, I wanted to own 100% of my business. Uh, and the second thing they told me that I should look into is getting a business loan. And my wife and I had just worked for years be- to become debt-free minus our home. And so I'm like, I'm not going into debt. So I did something that everybody tells you you shouldn't do. And I went and took $14,000 out of my pension and I paid 4000 of that in taxes and penalties. And we lived off of $10,000 for three more months. And then at the end of the year, the business was finally able to pay me an $11,000 net income check. Wow. How do you keep going when it looks so bleak? Well, there, here's the thing. Um, we, my wife and I have always been on this plan for several years. Well, even, even a couple years before going into this full time where we only pay ourselves once a month, even though we get paychecks coming in more frequently before my own self-employment. Uh, but we take all that money and we just hold it once a month. And whatever came in the month before, that's all we spend the month, the current month that we're heading into. And so we were able to just say, you know, we're going to have to deal with what money we have or what money we don't have. And we have to cut back. And we cut back so much. I mean, you would not believe how much we cut back. And here's the deal. Every month that we paid our bills, uh, one of the two of us were in tears and just absolutely just broken. Uh, But never was there a month in 2008 where Stephanie and I were broken at the same time. So one month it was her encouraging me that everything's going to work out, that this is we're still doing the right thing. And another month it might have been her trying to convince me. So or I don't know if I just said the same thing twice, but you get the idea. I, I get the idea. So so the whole thing is, is that, that I mean, we were there for each other. And here and how did we keep going? We knew we were doing the right thing. And also another thing that I had going for me 
was before I when during that 90-day period of time, I collected um, commitments from 10 individuals that I looked up to, 10 different individuals from different areas of life that I consider to be a success. Some of them were business people, some of them were not. And I asked them if they'd be my board of advisors. Excuse me. <coughs> All right. So I asked them, I said, would you be my board of advisors? And I said, all this means is that you would be available to talk to me if I need it, uh, if I need some advice. And most importantly, I want to put you out there in a, an email uh, news group, which means that anytime I send an email to this group, everybody gets it. And if you reply to it, everybody gets the reply. I said, those are the only commitments. And so I got 10 people who did that. And I'll tell you what, when I was absolutely afraid or had the question, I I'm like, here's here's something I've been approached with. I never thought about this. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'd love your advice. And basically, you know, I lived by this one scripture that multi, uh, wisdom is found in the multitude of advisors. And and so that's what I did is I had a multitude of advisors and I always went with whatever the majority of my advisors said. And I oftentimes had some people who vehemently disagreed with the majority but I went with the majority because that's what I had set out to do. And so I had support of a lot of people. And uh, during all those times, the, those people, I was probably, I mean, I'm pretty a real, transparent, and authentic mm-hmm. person anyway. Yep. But I, I, I basically, these guys that were in this group, I told them, I said, guys, th- this is how bad it is. Should I go do this? And and like, should I go out and get a job delivering pizzas? <laughs> you know, and, and these are the things I asked folks. And or should I go? Should I head back? I, actually, I never asked. But I never asked. Should I go back to insurance? That was actually never even a thought that that even occurred to me. Matter of fact, I at that point, I was convinced that that if if podcasting wasn't going to work, which I wasn't, I didn't even see that as an option. It, the, failure was not an option for me. Uh, but in the event that podcasting didn't work out, I knew that something that that there had to be something else in life for me outside of insurance because I knew that last year that I worked as an insurance agent that 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 wasn't my calling in life. Wow, I love how you had that idea of, that belief of failure wasn't an option, right? Because then it was like this is this is the boundary. And then, you know, as, you, as you're sharing your story here, Cliff, one of the things that um, really stands out for me and that is, one is that you're willing to be vulnerable, right? You put yourself out there on your podcast and you opened yourself up, right? And you were not only honest with yourself, but the, with the listeners that you had. And then you put yourself on the line saying, I'm going to quit my job. And then you had the, the courage to go and seek help because so often, you know, people don't want to be vulnerable and they don't, they, they think I can do this alone, especially as an entrepreneur, I can do this alone. And I want to look into what gave you that courage, that insight to say these, and maybe you answered it based on your faith, but there are these people out here and I want to ask them to be a part of this and if they will support me. Well, one of the things that during the first two years before I left my career in insurance, um, I had been listening to a lot of podcasts. And of course, certainly as soon as I started dreaming of of this whole business venture thing, I'm listening to a lot of business podcasts. And and so I had heard about these boarded advisors. It, 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 it just made a lot of sense. I didn't really look into how that should be structured. I just thought, hmm. I've I've been on email news groups before, and I see de- I definitely know the scriptural principle of there's a wisdom in a multitude of counselors, and so this board of advisors, you know what I I'm going to create my own little structure, and here are the here's what I'm looking for. These are the types of individuals, you know, somebody who is who is achieving a, a success as I would define it for myself. These are people who are who are achieving great success in in certain areas of life. And these are people that I would trust their opinion on anything that I might have or experience in this journey ahead. And so, yeah, that, that's where it came from. I, I, I'd heard about a board of advisors. I'm sure that my board of advisors has very little uh, resemblance to what an official board of advisors does for a startup company. But, but these were, this, this is what I came up with and, that, and, it, and it helped me through that process. And were these people you personally knew? 
Yes, every one of them were hand-picked, hand-selected from me. I'll give you some examples of some folks that were in it. Um, my pastor, the, the guy who I told you who says, Cliff, this is what you should do. Uh, my pastor from my church was one of them. Uh, there's a friend of mine from church who happened to always, he's, he was always a, a very higher, high up, highly ranked official uh, or person in a corporate job. And he had recently left his corporate position after a, like 25 years to become the CEO of a local company. And I'm like, man, this, and this is a guy who, you know, he, he, they're debt free. They drive super nice cars and they live in a super amazing house. And I'm like, you know, this is somebody who's achieved some success in business that I would love to have on my team. So those are the kinds of things that I was looking for. It's like, these are, you know, I, 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 there are people in there who I chose because they were successful in the area of faith successful in the area of business, successful in the area of being a father, successful in the area of being a husband, and, and, but mostly business. Uh, business, you know, some kind of business experience was a, a key factor, but it certainly was not a factor for everyone involved. And uh, I love how, you know, you looked at the people and then these were people that you knew. And my question is now, so fast forward to 2014, do you still have these people in your life? Those people are still in my life, but none of them are on my board of advisors today. As a matter of fact, I don't technically have a board of advisors today. Instead, today I have a, I have a personal mastermind group, mm-hmm. and then I have what I call mentors. Uh, so so basically, the mentors that I have today are at such a high level that there's no way in, a, in the world that I would dream of asking them to allow me to put them into a, an email list that, you know, that 10 other people are on. Um, I, I don't know if you're in my world or not, but some of the people like that are personal mentors of mine, people that, Corinne, it, it, it boggles my mind that I can actually text any of these guys at three o'clock in the morning and they would jump out of bed to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Dan Miller from 48 Days mm-hmm. to the Work You Love, Michael Hyatt, um, Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner, uh, Ray Edwards from rayedwards.com, uh, just and some other amazing people. But but these are these are people who are experience who have experienced a level of success that I ultimately want to get to, and for whatever reason I've been very blessed to just have a very natural occurrence of how I've come into a very close relationship with these individuals, and 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 I I am super blessed to have mentors that that are out of this world awesome. So let's talk about that. So I love how you have this board of advisors, right, to help you when you get some traction and and to keep going in the beginning stages. But now that you are successful and you're, you know, the podcast answer man, um, how did you cultivate these relationships with these mentors? I, you know, that I wish I had an answer for that. But I, other than, the, other than to say something that some of your listeners might think is a little hokey, but it totally believe it's a God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there. For me, there is no other other answer or solution for it. But let me. I, I can tell you how some of it occurred. So I read this book called Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love. I had been listening. You've heard of Dave Ramsey, yep. I'm sure. Yeah. So I listened to Dave Ramsey all the time. That he 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 is the one who encouraged me and inspired me to become debt free. Radically changed our lives in a, in a powerful way. And on his radio program, he was always talking about his good friend, Dan Miller, and his book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And he gave it out as a free copy to a bunch of people who call into the show all the time. So eventually, when I'm getting ready to go and pursue the work I love, guess what I do? I get this book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I read it. And Corinne, it changed my life in a powerful way. In my mind, prior to that, I had never had any kind of you know, that, that I, somebody I looked to, up to as a celebrity, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm going to get weak in the knees if I have the opportunity to stand in front and talk to this person. I, I've never had anything like that. But all of a sudden, for the very first time in my life, I have a true, genuine celebrity. I mean, it's just like, wow, Dan Miller is the ultimate. <laughs> so, the, I mean, his book, it just changed my life. And so what happened was I, I remember I was reading a book on goals, setting goals, and they talked about how to achieve goals. And they talked about you have to believe it's possible. And, you, and the next thing you want to do is you want to write it down. And then the third step is you want to tell other people about it. And so I'm, I, I'm doing these steps. I mean, I'm, I'm applying these things that I'm reading in these books. 
And so I went, I had a podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life. And I said, hey guys, I want to tell you what this book I'm reading, reading and it says to set big goals. And, and I, let me tell you one of my goals. One of my goals is to meet Dan Miller and to actually have the opportunity just to speak to him, to tell him how much of an impact that he's had in my life. I know he's super busy. I mean, he's sold millions of copies of a book. I know he's inspired literally millions of people. You know, and who am I to, you know, have a few minutes of his time? But man, if I'm going to have a dream and a goal, I would love the opportunity to have five or 10 minutes to talk to Dan Miller just to personally tell him how much of an impact he's had on my life. And if, and, and I said, and if we just want to make this even bigger, I'd love to have an entire, an opportunity to do an entire podcast interview with him on my podcast Answer Man show. Well, I put that episode online, Corinne. And I, within 45 minutes of it being published on the internet, a guy named Andy Traub says, Cliff, I listened to your podcast. I just listened to your latest episode. And by the way, I'm close personal friends with Dan. He already knows about you. And he's been talking about the fact that he wants to get to connect with you to talk to you (laughs) about some stuff. He'd love to talk with you. And he'd love to be a guest on your show. The very next week, you can go to, by the way, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash Dan Miller. And the very next week, he was on my show. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll make a long story very short and tell you this, that he, at, at the end of the call, he asked, Cliff, can, I, can we schedule a 30-minute uh, call? I'd like to ask you some technical questions. I'd like to hire you for a quick cons- consulting call. Well, it turns out that he wasn't really interesting in, interested in a consulting call. He had just gotten so many people who listened to his podcast that wanted to learn how to podcast, but he does, has no desire to teach people how to podcast. He just wanted to know a little bit more about me, whether or not he would feel good referring people to me. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. I did not know that. I thought he really wanted a consulting call. So I actually gave him some real advice. And I said, Dan, I, it's like, he says, Cliff, what do you think about my show? Is there some things I can do? I said, Dan, your show is amazing as far as the content, but the audio quality is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> of course you said that. <laughs> And and I sit there, I said, you know, I know that you're using a $20, you know, lapel mic from Radio Shack and you talk about it all the time. And I said, but it's really doing horrible things. I've, I said, I've personally had thousands of people who have uh, heard me talk about your book and they get your book and they love it. And then they go and listen to your show. And I'd say about nine out of 10 of them uh, who, who listen to your show say, Cliff, I love his podcast. Great content, but I can't subscribe. So you're losing about 90% of the people who listen to your show. Uh, after the first time because of your audio quality. And he's like, you're kidding me. Is it, we turned into a 90-minute call. He invited me to come and stay with him in his home in Nashville. I spent an entire day with him setting up a whole podcast studio. And in six weeks after that, my income doubled. And then another three months after that, my income tripled as a result of all the referrals. Wow. That, that was my first connection. Dan Miller is the one who connected me to Michael Hyatt and so many other amazing people. Wow. And that goes back to the premise that you have about helping people, right? When you just you you just passionately go and help people. And one of the things, Cliff, about with knowing you and stuff is that you aren't this transactional mindset like I do for you, so now what are you gonna do for me? You it's it's about you really truly want to help people. I do. And, and you know, and the, I will say this, you know, I'm at a place today where I, you know, I'm obviously making more than eleven thousand dollars now, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I am at a place today where that is probably one of the things that's the most difficult for me is my desire to help every single person because there's this there's this pastor, his name is Andy Stanley. And one of the things that he says, and I've learned to be so true, he says, the, the more successful you are, the less, ex- the, less, the less accessible you'll have to become. And how do you deal with that? And, we- and so the next thing he says is, and here's how you deal, or he says, here's how I deal with it. And I've applied this. I do for some what I wish I could do for everyone. But I have become an expert at saying no. And that, it, it, it even feels creepy to say that, but I, I am. I'm an expert at saying no to people. Um, and, and I'm an expert at saying no, Corinne, because... I was an expert at saying yes before and 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 what happened was I was working, you know, 14 hours a day, 7 days a week for 9 months 
And then what, what we didn't talk about was in January of 2009, I spent two weeks in the hospital and almost died. And then two years later, spent another week and a half in the hospital and thought I was dying. Uh, and so saying yes to everyone, when you have as many people following you as, as some of us do, then, then you're saying no to your health. And oftentimes you're saying to, no to your wife and your kids. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm as much as I would say that, yes, I, I, I still, my heart is to help people. But there are some people today, Corinne, that, that if they would have reached out to me in 2008, 2009, or 2010, they, I think probably 99 out of every 100 people who would have approached me would have told you that I'm the most awesome person on the face of this earth. Uh, today, I would say about 30% of the people who ask me for advice in an email would say that to you. The other ones probably would say, I really respect the, that Cliff has some, some boundaries about, uh, around his time. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the help that I was wanting from him. Uh, and some of them will probably tell you that, man, Cliff, you know, he's he's sold out and all he cares about is making a, a buck. And that's not true. What I care about is taking care of myself physically every single day for the rest of my life so that I can be the husband that I'm called to be, the father that I'm called to be, and so that I can help the people that I am called to help. So I have a question for you. This is a nice segue into critics, right? Do you worry about the critics? I used to more than I do now. Uh, to say that I don't now would be a lie. Um, I, but yeah, I, I, I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I call myself a recovering approval whore. So <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm same way. I you I get I'm I'm very blessed to get hundreds, and this isn't an exaggeration. I literally get hundreds of praiseworthy feedback, like praising feedback. Every single month, people who take my courses, they write me the most amazing letters. Uh, clients that I work with sent me letters. Uh, people write me emails based upon my my content that I create. And you know, Corinne, I could have let's just say I have on average 180 people write how much they love me in uh-huh. the last 30 days. Uh-huh. It only takes one written review in iTunes to tear me apart, and it's just like it it will eat me up for four to eight hours. Like, wow. I, I just, I, I'm a total utter failure. And I'm like, that's not true. It's not true. And, and so it, 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 I'm able to bounce back quicker today. And, and oftentimes I'm able to just say, you know what? I don't have time for that. Um, I, I'm going to focus on the people who get it. Well, you know, you have, you now have quite a bit of evidence, right? Whether it's the people that you get to be a part of. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar because of you, of Dan Miller and Michael Hyatt and Michael Steisner and even, even Ray Edwards, right? And those are really quality people. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with really strong values. And one of the things that, you know, pulled me to you um, years ago was the, the ethics and integrity and values that you have, right? Especially in this world, this online world that we're a part of. Um, you know, you're the real deal. You're really authentic. So you have a lot of evidence. And my, my hunch is, is that that allows you to keep moving and going and doing these brave things that you do, even though there's going to be critics, because there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to tear us down, right? Or not even understand what it's like, um, for us on the other side, right? Because when you want to give and you give a lot of free content, just, um, I mean, even your learn how to podcast, isn't there's a isn't there a free tutorial that you have on your website? Yeah, learnhowtopodcast.com. It's been viewed tens of thousands of times. And I've actually had thousands of people and literally thousands who have told me, Cliff, I, I watched your tutorial and I can't believe it. I, I haven't had to pay you a single penny and you taught me everything I need to know to have a successful show. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm happy with that. And I'll put links to that in both um, the Dan Miller interview on the show notes today. So for those of you listening, but so you, you offer a lot of free stuff, but you, like you said, I mean, you know, one of the problems with being an entrepreneur is how do you do it all? And I know, you know, working with you, you give 150% and I'm, you know, and I'm quite amazed that there must be this constant, do you find, I know I find this, um, you have your values and you have your priorities, but then there's this pull because there's this other part that's important of giving. And do you ever find yourself going, Ooh, I've, I've moved past my own boundaries and I need to circle back. Yeah. I, and, and that happens to me. Um, it happens to me less now than it, in it, than it did two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I've progressively been getting better at it. 
Uh, and it has a lot to do with those relationships that I'm that that you've mentioned with these guys. Um, and I'm very close. I mean, I talk with these guys every single week, and 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 th- I'm consistently inspired by their ability to manage these things. And by the way, they do the same thing. They they ex- they explain. You know, they come and say, "Hey, I you know I just committed to this, and man, I'm gonna you know my word is my bond. You know, it's like I I'm, I'm gonna have to do it." But man, this has really put me in a bind. And one of my goals is from from now on, this isn't going to happen again. And they say, Cliff, can you hold me accountable to this? And so, it, you know, we help each other by by sharing those experiences. Uh, but yeah, that you know, as an entrepreneur, I, I one of the things that I have learned um, is to set priorities and to set goals. You know, what are what are the things that I want to accomplish? And as I told you, and I can't stress this enough, it'll be a it would be a whole another forty five minute interview. <laughs> But but the, I am an expert, and 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 I don't use the that term lightly. I am an expert at saying no. I mean, you you everybody everybody listening to this podcast, email me cliff at podcastanswerman Send me an email and ask me something. In fact, if you want, use the words "quick question" in the subject line, <laughs> and you will get an example of how much of an expert I am at saying no to you. But here's the thing: it won't be a rude experience. It it will it will be a very you, you'll you'll find that wow that that I, I wish I could say no like that. So when you when that happens, do you get a do you get some kickback? Some uh, you know where people don't like that. One to three percent of the time, mm-hmm. and you know that that's just going to happen. I mean, I get a I get about 150, 200 plus emails every single day of people wanting something from me. Um, and, and of course I want to, I want to give something to every single one of them. I can't, I, mm-hmm. I can't physically do it. Um, most of my friends, those guys that we've been talking about, all of them so far, uh, all of them actually without exception have somebody else answering their emails for them. I'm still the one solo guy out that still answers every single one of those emails personally. I'm, I'm still on the fence about, about handing that over to somebody else to say no for me. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, it, I do get some blowback every now and then, you know, it's like, oh, I see, I see where your priorities are, you know, and it's like, and sometimes I feel led to hit reply and write back and defend myself. And, (laughs) and sometimes I don't do it, (laughs) you know, and sometimes I'm like, you know what, that's fine. You know, and, 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 you know, every now and then I do, I, every now and then I say, it's like, I I hit reply and I'm like ouch and I and I just write you have no idea and hit send and then and then I block them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think that's really the case that people don't have an idea. I have this autoresponder in one of my emails, and it's so interesting because some people think it's brilliant, and then some people who really don't like the boundary are really upset. And I just have to explain I'm not Google, right? You send me an email it doesn't mean there's an email that comes right back at you in that instance, and um and you know, I struggle with that whole email overwhelm as well in answering people's emails or reading at least all of them are really important to me. And that's why I haven't offshored my emails as well. Yeah. Well, Cliff, it's been a pleasure to talk with you in uh, this today. And I want to close up with two takeaways for the listeners when they want to pursue their dream. What would you recommend? Well, um, I guess first and foremost, if you are pursuing your dream, number one, believe it's possible. Number two, write it down and then tell other people about it and, and make sure that you, sh- you should have three things. Number one, you should have a passion for whatever this dream is that you're doing. Number two, you must have some sort of raw talent. I mean, just some God-given or just absolute unmistakable talent for whatever it is that you want to pursue. And then number three, you must have an economic model. You have to have some way to generate income and, and, and hopefully multiple ways, multiple streams of income that are possible for you. So so that there's all of that. Plus, I would tell you to surround yourself with people who, number one, believe in you and who have achieved areas of success in their life that you look up to. So so and 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 so reach out to those people. So those are that's more than two takeaways. That's, I think. Yep. Those are all solid. I really love the surround yourself with people who believe in you and then like how you had your board of advisors and uh, the mentors, you know. Um, oh, Corinne, can I say one thing? Yes. I want to say this. I did actually expel one one board of advisor. He he <laughs> would when when I actually told him that I was thinking about taking some money 
out to to do some things and and, and everybody he was he at one point he finally says okay this break this is the straw that breaks the camel's back now i think you're being irresponsible you need to you need to give up this this irresponsible thing and go back and get your insurance job and the other nine guys all of them unanimously said get rid of that guy and i did wow haven't spoken to him since actually wow yeah do you think that that team of people that you have in your life are really important um, cause that support section is just important for us to do these things in our lives. So thank you. You're welcome. That was Cr- Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And I will have links to his website as well as his learn how to podcast.com, which is a great free tutorial for people out there and other things that we talked about today. I want to go back and follow up about the support section. This is an area in my life that I really work on practicing and I help my clients practice. Who were the people in your life? who sit in those support seats as you go out and you dare to be brave and you do courageous things and you live on creating this life that you want. And when I say dare to be great, brave, it doesn't mean, oh, becoming this New York Times bestselling author or trying to get a TV show. It's what it, what are the different spaces in your life? It could be in your marriage and having honest and courageous conversations. I, I feel like I have to be courageous and brave every day I become a, every day I practice being a parent and sometimes not even at my own safety of my home, but when I'm out there in the world and people really want to judge each other and their parenting, it can be in your job, it can be in a meeting, it can be in so many different areas. It can be in your own health and well being. So, who are the people that sit in those support seats? Who are those people who are on your team? And just like if you have kids who do multiple sports, maybe they're on the soccer team and the swim team and the baseball team, they have different team people. They have different coaches. They have different members on their team. And there are always different critics because no matter what, anytime you go and do something, there's always going to be the critics. I really tried to uh, create situations where I didn't have critics and I've found that there's always they're always going to be there. But most importantly, who are the people that are in your support team? Knowing who those people are is what matters. It's not that nobody's opinion matters. It's knowing whose opinion matters. Scott Scratton says this, uh, has this great quote, or he has a saying that is turned into a great quote. It says that you don't have to try to win over the haters. You're not the jackass whisperer. You may recall Brene talking about that on my show many years ago. And I, I often go to that because so often we will try to win over those haters. Those are the people that are not going to help us. Those are the people that are going to say, your dream is crazy. There's no way it can happen. Really, if somebody, I'm sure Cliff had a lot of haters who were like, how could you make money podcasting? There's no way. You must stay in this insurance job. Look how great of a situation it is. And those are the critics. They seem like support, but they're the critics because they don't see, they can't believe it because they can't see it. He created a life and a business that supports him and his family and that he's really successful at. So, you know, I always ask if that is possible for him, what is possible for you? And success, let's let's just stop that comparison. Success is different for everybody. What means success for you may be different from somebody else. It may be different from Cliff. So going back to those support seats, those are really important. And I really want you to think about who are the people who's earned the right to hear your story? Because those are the people who have earned the right to be in that support section. And it's okay if you have different teams of people for different areas of your life. You know, I most certainly do. Um, And there are people that I go to when I need support about maybe my parenting. There are people that I go to when I need support about, you know, being an entrepreneur. There are people that I go to when I need support about, you know, um. being a friend or just different things or be having this radio show. So I have different teams in my life and, and knowing who those people are is really important because then you can reach out. So often we think, and especially um, I know a lot of people and I used to do this myself. It's like, no, I can go it alone. I don't need anybody or I should go it alone. Look at these successful people out in the world. They've done it themselves And I can tell you this, there's not a person that I've interviewed and I've been able to interview what society calls very successful people who have said, I've done it all by myself. There's been nobody here. They've always had a person. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's a team of three or four, but they've always had somebody, you know, for those hard, dark days where 
it just, it doesn't seem like the light will come where you just really feel like I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. I can't do this. We all have those days. And that's hopefully what this show has been able to shed a light is that you're not going through the difficult times yourself. There's a common humanity piece. We're all going through it. We all have different struggles that we go through. But who are the people who are on your team? And one of the most important things is that, are you on your team? Are you in your own support section? That is so crucial. That is so crucial. So you can listen to those people who are in the support section cheering you on or giving you feedback. But then it's also about checking in with you. Does this resonate with you? Does this sound right? Are you seeing, you know, are you being supportive to yourself? So you need to be in your own support section and develop a team of people and never, ever think if you only have one person, whether it's yourself and some and somebody else, so I guess that would be two people, or if it's just yourself, maybe you really believe in your dream and maybe nobody else does, it doesn't mean that you're not worthy or good enough. It just means you have a small team. Never discount the power of one. So, so often we can say, oh, it's not valuable because there's only one or there's only two or there's only five. Start developing your team now and know who the people are. It's not about having 5,000 people on your support team. That's too noisy. That's too loud. Who are the people on your team and for which team are they on? On my teams, I have a header on top of it because this is a reminder to me that these are my, they're sometimes, because sometimes my teams, they have bad days too. They can't come in and support me because they're not grounded in a place of well-being. And for me to give them that space and realizing, oh, they're not able to, it doesn't mean they don't believe in me. It doesn't mean they don't care about me. It just means they're not in a good place right now to support me. They don't have the capacity for today. And that's why I give that sometimes. So that's your work to do this week is Who are the people who are on your team? Who are your support people? Are you on your team? If you want, send me an email. I'd love to hear your story about that. You can go to my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com to send me an email. And I invite you to sign up while you're there. Sign up for my weekly newsletter. It's a great way for us to have um, some communication. And finally, thanks to those of you that are uh, writing some very heartwarming, heartfelt uh, reviews up on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. I want to do a shout out to Candu Ked, who posted a review on iTunes and says, I've been listening to this podcast for almost three years and I still get blown away by Corinne. Her work, her compassion and her life is put out there each week. She brings an amazing guest and relevant, motivating conversation, not motivating in the woo-woo way we've seen over the years. Corinne speaks from the heart and really gets to you, gets to you think gets you to think and see what is possible for your own life. This is my go-to podcast show each week. It is food for my soul. Can do Ked, thank you so much. That really keeps me motivated um, to know that I'm out there and it's able, the show is able to make a difference for all of you listening. So thank you. If you feel inclined, I'd love to have a um, reviews on iTunes. It helps the show and helps spread the word or you can share the show with a friend. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself if that is possible for them.
what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.